Good news of great joy. Good news was meant to be shared. And boy, isn't it good when you get good news. And isn't it bad when you get bad news. Good news, bad news. This, this Advent series has all been about the good news that comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and that good news is so needed, especially for people even right now, who have received bad news. There's nothing like good news. And a long time ago, thousands of years ago, as we've been reading from Isaiah 61, God came to the prophet Isaiah, pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ, this child in a manger, and through Isaiah saying, let me tell you about someone who's going to come and proclaim good news. And I read these verses with you again from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've mentioned before a couple times, I'm, uh, since becoming a grandpa, I've had to learn a lot of games that boys and girls like to play. Uh, probably the, the one of all time and ever continues to be is hide and seek. Boys and girls, how many of you like to play hide and seek? You still play hide and seek sometimes? Another one that... My uh, oldest granddaughter likes to play of late is, I spy with my little eye. Boys and girls, have you played that before? Yeah. I spy with my little eye something that is red, white, and blue. Who knows? Raise your hand if you know. What is it? Wow. Very good. You must have played this game before. I spy with my little eye. As I began playing these games with my grandchildren, I recalled other games that I played as a youth, you know, before the whole age of computers and screens when you actually went outside to play and, and sometimes make up games. And um, what were some of these games? Mother, may I what? Mother, may I cross your slippery floor? Anybody ever play that? And if you have the color so-and-so and you try to get through, or possibly Red Rover, Red Rover, let... Nobody's played these games when you were my age. Um, or Spud. That was kind of a FUD game. Anybody ever play Spud? You throw a ball up at the, the leader throws a ball up high into the air and everybody takes off running. And as soon as the leader catches it, you yell, stop. And then you have to take one, two, three steps you get to try to hit someone with a ball. And if you get him, they get an S and a P, then a U, then a D, and then, and then you're out. 
As I began writing on this, preparing for this message from Isaiah 61 about freedom for the captives, I began thinking about some of the games we played that had to do with being captured, taking prisoners, uh, things like capture the flag, which I know any number of you have played, and not just boys and girls, but teenagers still play that game. We had a game called Prisoner's Goal. All of these games had to do with speed, so it wasn't really fair for the kids who weren't quite there yet speed up to power, but prisoner's goal, you take someone and take them captive to your side. How about ghost in the graveyard? We used to call it Midnight Wolf, but there's different, different games for it, but again, it was a matter of running and hiding, and, and, and the all-time, all-time universal favorite, which you had to go off into the food pantry for, was kick the can. Right, again, running as fast as you can, and you take them, and you, and you take them to prison. Setting, setting the captives free of those who you were playing with. I've learned as I've gotten older as an adult that, uh, that these children games that we play, taking prisoners captive, is, is much more than just a children's game. As we become adults, they become a reality. We find ourselves, and surely all of us here have experienced that, we find others who, when going through life, all of a sudden find themselves captive, uh, held prisoner in some way, and uh, looking so desperately to be set free from what has captured them or holding them hostage. Last week we visited what hotel? Heartbreak Hotel. This week we, we visit a prison. And we talk about those as we visit this prison. All of those who are, have been or recently are being held captive. Captive, behind bars. And I'm not going to get into this aspect of this this morning, but this all has to do, you understand, with spiritual warfare. Always with spiritual warfare. Satan on his attack, uh, seeking to, to cap, captive us, take us captive, hold us hostage. And not wanting to let us go. Uh, powers of darkness. And as I contemplated on these words from Isaiah, then also from Jesus in Luke chapter 4, I began thinking about, in what ways does, does Satan take us captive? And what, what kind of prisoners, as we visit this jail this morning, uh, what kind of prisoners do we find behind these bars? Some of you have been in this prison in the past. Some of you are in this prison right now, and as long as you have length of days here, if not, your turn will come, where you too will find yourself a prisoner. Just like Judah did in captivity. They were in exile, coming out of exile. They were captive for 70 years, and they were feeling the pain, now getting freedom, but still feeling the pain of being captive for 70 years in exile. And I began to think about all the ways, and I can't address all of them this morning, but I'm going to give you a number of examples. Ways that, that Satan seeks to hold us captive, even like prisoners in a jail, jailbirds, if you will, in which we seek freedom. Now, it could be simply, as all of us experience, you can be, you can be captive to a sin in your life. And, and sometimes you're captive to it for a long time. Just longing to be freed from it. Uh, you may be captive to guilt or shame of something in your past. And you've never been able to let it go. 
carrying still guilt and shame, captive to it. It might be bitterness that you've carried for so many years and were unable to escape. It could be some of these deadly sins of greed or anger or lust. Or, or how about this one? An unforgiving spirit. I still find any number of people, myself included at times in my past, where you find it very difficult to forgive the person who hurt you. And you don't, and you don't realize that the only person you're really hurting through that whole process is yourself. You're captive to that unforgiving spirit and even become bitter because of it. When you discover that the prisoner all along that needs to be set free was you. Because you can't forgive. Or how about being a captive to, to the past and to past failures? We've all make mistakes as we grow and as we age. And sometimes it's difficult to move on when you really made a mistake in your past. And, and you want to let it go. And you think you've made progress on it. And then there are other people who won't allow you to let it go. And that past becomes something that you are captive to. Somebody said, never be a prisoner of your past. It was just a lesson of life. It wasn't a life sentence. And yet some people live it as if it's a life sentence and it never goes away. And maybe there's someone sitting here this morning or listening online that you still are a prisoner to your past. A common thing that, that many of us uh, as well find ourselves captive to are addictions. And of course, the, the list is long, right? Any number of kinds of addictions could be drugs, alcohol, uh, uh, pornography, sexual addictions. And you want to be freed of that. And you ask God to free you of that. And then you find yourself with that kind of freedom. And it thinks, what wonderful, it's happened. But then you talk with someone else where it doesn't happen today, today or it didn't happen tomorrow. Or some who are still being held captive for years, still praying for freedom from that kind of captivity. And being captive um, to unhealthy relationships. For how many of us have friends? And maybe someone here this morning, a son or a daughter, or maybe just someone here yourself. Well, you're in a relationship you shouldn't be in. Teenagers as well. You know it's bad for you. It's been bad for you. And you want to get out of it. And you've tried. And even with the husband and wife, when it comes to domestic violence or spousal abuse and the like, you know you got to leave, but you've tried and you can't. And so you're captive to this unhealthy relationship. I read an article this week about a man who, who had a daughter who was living a not so moral life and decided that he would take her back into his home, lock her up in a cage in the basement. And for 24 years... He kept her in that cage and birthed seven children with his daughter. And she tells the story of what it was like to be a captive for 24 years to her dad. And all along, all along, he was thinking he was doing her a favor. You want to talk about captivity to an unhealthy relationship? Uh, some are in captivity uh, to a false gospel. Uh, any, any religion that doesn't recognize Jesus Christ as a savior of the world. Uh, and, and, people, and, and, and any religion that, that goes beyond what's in the scriptures or not found in the scriptures. Uh, a cult-like even 
religion. And how many stories do we know of people who've led people down that path? And they wanted to escape it. They wanted to get out of the cult, but they could not. They've tried, but unable to escape. And how many of us have been captive to a mindset? And, this, and that list is long. A way of thinking that's developed in your mind. And you've tried to, to break that way of thinking, to, to break that mindset, but you find it nearly impossible. Uh, for some, it's depression. And many here struggle with depression. And you've been captive to it. Some just beginning and others for, for months and even for years. Some of us are captive to worry, anxiety, stress. You so much want to be freed from it, but, but you can't. And you wake every morning and, and that stress comes back again. Uh, we talk about being captive to PTSD, military personnel, coming home. We talk about being captive to fear for, for any number of things. And you just find yourself living a life of fearfulness. Kind of coming back. First you fear for your children. Now we fear for our grandchildren, right? It just, it doesn't end. And you can fear for any number of things. It's a mindset that's developed and, we, and, and we're almost held hostage to it. All of us in some form or not has been uh, uh, held captive to a health condition. Man, we have, again, any number of... of members here that have lived with a health condition for years. It could be chronic pain. It could be a terminal kind of thing that, that's not going to go away. And you wake up every day feeling like you're in this prison. Your health is, is, has deteriorated and in some cases continue to deteriorate. It could be Alzheimer's. It could, could be dementia. It could be any number of things. It could be COVID, which we've experienced now as a congregation yet again. Yet another death because of COVID. And, and a culture and a society and a church and, and, and a community can become captive to an illness. And, and it just slowly eats away at us. We want it gone. We want to escape from it. We want freedom. And it seems that freedom is often hard to come by. Even as Christians, we can have uh, the difficulty of, 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 what, of what Paul writes about in Galatians when we're captive to the law. It's hard to sometimes grasp this, but we still want to live as the law, as, 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 as our guide and our teacher, which it can be used for. But so captive to the law that we have not yet been freed to live by the Spirit, as, as Paul talks about. To live by the Spirit, Galatians 5. Uh, still holding captive rather than the freedom of the Spirit. I simply want to ask you this morning, those of us who are here and listening, uh, what are you captive to right now in your life? Don't, this is the time you don't think about somebody else because there's many people we can think about and talk about when we talk about being captive. All of us experience a certain kind of captivity as prisoners almost behind bars. What has captured you right now, whether in your mind or in your life? Um, what, what, what is it that's making you feel like a prisoner and that you pretty much have resigned yourself to the fact that you are serving life without parole in this kind of captivity? 
Surely there's someone sitting here this morning saying, well, what I have, I'm going to have the rest of my life. And I just feel like a convict, life without parole. And I wake up every morning feeling as a captive to whatever is holding me hostage. What is it? This is what Judah was feeling as they were coming out of exile. This is what Isaiah first is writing about. Seventy years of captivity. They didn't think it would ever end. A generation pretty much passed, right? It's never going to end. This exile that we have. We sang that a, a different version of. Some of you remember the Blue Psalter hymnal in, in the Christian Reformed Church. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night. A little different version, Carl, we sang. That was nice. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night. I, I, I feel like I'm in bondage. And I've kind of lost all the hope that, that it's going to go away. Some of us this morning know exactly what Isaiah is talking about. When he says, I, I feel like a captive in my life. And even maybe you've come to the point of resigning to the fact that you're going to be a captive the rest of your life here to whatever is holding you captive. And you've given up all hope that you'll ever be free of what's holding you hostage. It's so easy for us to come to that kind of mindset. And we just give up. Now, if you're one of those people who find yourself a prisoner this morning... And this is what this Advent series is all about. Oh, <laughs> there's good news. Well, you've got to say, Pastor, I've had enough bad news. What you're talking about now, you got me thinking about my bad news, the, the kind of uh, the hostage that I feel like being captive to whatever is holding me captive. I could surely use some good news. God knew that through the prophet Isaiah as he comes to Judah. God knows that to us as well as he speaks to us this morning. And he comes to Isaiah and he says, good news. I'm going to proclaim to you good news. And it's the same good news that, that Isaiah is speaking about to Judah that comes to us. A deliverer is coming. What does he say? A deliverer is coming. One who is going to proclaim freedom for the captives. The good news is this, this, this uh, deliverer will come and set captives free from whatever is binding you. Whatever is holding you in handcuffs, whatever prison you feel like you are in, a deliverer is going to come who's able to set you free. Good news, extra good news. Read all about it. That's what Isaiah is telling Judah, and that's what God brings to us this morning because 700 years later, as I said last week, this prophecy was fulfilled in Bethlehem. Boys and girls, this is what Christmas is all about. Luke 2 tells us, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. Okay, a Savior, what, what is that talking about? A Savior is born for what? Remember, just uh, 30 years later, we find in Luke 4, where Jesus says he's taking, picking up the scroll of Isaiah, probably reading from the Septuagint. That's why it's a little different than what we read in Isaiah. And he reads about this deliverer who is going to come. This deliverer who is not only going to bind up the brokenhearted, but this deliverer who is going to come as well and set the captives free. And Jesus rolls up the scroll. Read about it in Luke 4, 18 and 19. He puts down the scroll. And this young rabbi, Jesus says, this is me. It's so powerful. He said, Isaiah was talking about me. And I have some very good news for you. I have come. I am the one who was to come to set the prisoners free. I have come to release 
prisoners. And for those of us who know the rest of the story, it all has to do with Jesus dying. Going to the cross and the power of the cross. The power of the cross that would defeat, speaking of spiritual warfare, Jesus comes and he defeats Satan. He defeats Satan as a result of the cross. And he defeats the powers of darkness. And Jesus come, comes and now has the power to set people free because of what happened on the cross. And Jesus has been releasing people from captivity ever since. Right up to today until he comes again. And that's why we read when Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, what? You'll be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. All because of Jesus and the cross. Now listen. Why, there are some people here this morning listening online. You say, Pastor Jim, I've been feeling like a captive for a long time. And I've been praying for Jesus to, to set me free, to set me free, to set me free. And I've seen Jesus set some people free overnight from what captivated them. I've seen others over a period of months or maybe even a year or two and they were set free. But where was that freedom for me? I've prayed for it. I know Jesus has a power to free me for what I'm captive to. Will that freedom ever come? And maybe you too have resigned yourself to the fact that you, you, you say, I'm, I'm pretty much having life without parole. And the truth is, for some of us, death may be the one thing that sets you free from what you have. We don't like to hear that. You say, that's not very good news. But in some cases, that's how it goes when it comes to captivity. Jesus frees some people overnight. He frees, he frees some people. You read about this in the Gospels. He frees other people over days and months and years. And to some people, death itself is the freedom that comes to be free from captivity. Which is why Jesus died. So that he would even be able to free us from the grave. Because the grave, you see, holds us captive for some time. But just as Jesus burst the bars of his own grave. He's able to burst the bars of death for us. You know, we often sing oh, that song, Amazing Grace, my, my chains fell off. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. I want to encourage you this morning. It's a powerful song to sing, but just don't sing it. You got to believe it when you sing it. And not just believe in it. You got to live that way. You have to live that way believing Jesus Christ will set me free. And you keep on asking Jesus and you keep looking forward to the day as you feel a captive in your own home and in your own soul, the day that Jesus indeed will set you free. Because the truth is you, you don't have to live with the thought of you'll never be free from what you have. Because our, our chains are gone and we've been set free. And this is one of those theological things that's sometimes difficult to explain. In eschatology, it's called the already but not yet. I've already been set free, but in, in some cases, not yet. You've already been set free because of the cross. But in some cases, not yet. And that day will come when you are. Jesus Christ is able to set us free. And it's all because of what he's done. That's the good news of Christmas. 
That's the good news, that a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. Jesus says regarding Isaiah, that's me. And with anyone here this morning, anyone listening, who's just lost their hope and who are despondent about what tomorrow might bring because of being held hostage or whatever it's holding you, you understand that a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. And this is what Christmas is all about. And Jesus comes to set you free. And if he sets you free, you are free indeed, and it will be yours. Amen? Amen. Jesus, in your name we pray. We thank you that uh, you're a God who fulfills promises. Thousands of years ago, this prophet Isaiah spoke about a deliverer who would come. Not only to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted, but someone who would set the captives free. And Father, we pray this morning for anyone here who's feeling the weight of their captivity, whatever they be captive to, whatever's holding them prisoner, whatever kind of mindset or, or, or life or, or something that Satan has bound them to, we pray in Jesus' name, the one who has the power and has given us the promise of freedom will work in that person's life and bring that freedom because we know you and only you are able to free them and to free us from any kind of captivity we experience. And we bring them before your throne this morning, the one who has power over the powers of darkness, and give that person hope, all 